Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Hard in the Paint podcast, the NBA podcast, where we ask the hard questions about the NBA. And wouldn't you know that the postseason's over, the regular season's over, but we did the award show tonight. Uh, literally just ended seconds before we hopped online, uh, almost like an emergency podcast, and we had to get our immediate reactions, as well as the wonderful time of world that it is to be a part of the F5 season when it comes to NBA Twitter, NBA Reddit, and all things sports news related for free agency, draft, off-season shenanigans, Space Jam 2 rumors. And with that, we are unsullied by sponsorships for this Hard in the Paint late at night episode. And so with that, let's just hop right into the news. Uh, literally minutes ago, the NBA award show ended. Of course, this is, I think, two years now running where they do this kind of uh, Emmys, Oscars-style award show hosted, of course, by multiple NBA personalities. Uh, very... It still feels like it misses the mark a little bit, even though they did a much better job of it this year than last year. Um, it also went on a little bit too long. I think two hours is a little bit too much for all this. But uh, let's just hop right into who won what. So, uh, Michael, hit us off. Coach of the year, Mike Budenholzer. I would say that's not exactly. I don't think any of these were really that surprising, except for defensive player of the year. It was the only one I was actually surprised by. Yeah, um, I had Malone, but I know you were saying Bud earlier. Yeah, it it felt pretty fifty-fifty between those two. It's like Nuggets kind of came out of nowhere, um, you know, almost one seed, um, doing a lot with a little, and then it kind of comes down to I think kind of usually the tiebreaker in these debates is team with the best record, and I feel like that's kind of why Bud won it. But I will agree with you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I just figured, you know, Malone took a team that wasn't even in the playoffs last year to the number two seed. It's like a pretty big uh, jump. And Western Conference. Um, although, I guess Bud also kind of did the same thing. They were like six what, seed? seed, eight seed. I think they were six last year. Yeah, something like that. So, obviously, they moved up the rankings a lot. So, I guess that's probably part of it is just uh share win total difference from you know previous year to this year i'd also say too that if you just look at how the team plays that change from jason kidd to bud is like night and day just in terms of play style force spacing a lot more actual physical changes you can see rather than just uh box score or uh win loss column um I agree with you that defensive player of the year was probably the most surprising in my opinion. Mm. Um, but let's just go right down the list. So the first award they did was rookie of the year and pretty much no debate on this by anybody. Um, you'd have to be kind of insane. No offense to Trey young. I mean, he's been pretty solid that last two months of the season, but, uh, Luca had it on lock pretty much since November, uh, Potentially yeah. the greatest rookie campaign of any rookie in a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually kind of interesting now with um, 
you know, the draft happened, and we'll get to that pretty soon. But now, you know, you had kind of the Luca Trey Young trade last year, and now that extra pick that Atlanta got, or yeah, Atlanta got, ended up being Cam Reddish. So now you kind of have this balance of Trey Young, Cam Reddish equals Luka Doncic. But obviously, Luka took rookie of the year. I think that's very deserved. And by the time Trey Young finally got it together, it was kind of a. I don't know it was like garbage time part of the NBA season, but it was like neither of these teams is going to the playoffs, neither of them is really making a big splash. And they kind of just gave full reign over to Trey Young to do Trey right. Young things, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it'll be interesting to review this conversation uh, in terms of this trade in retrospect in a couple years' time. Like, was it worth those extra picks? Because kind of the interesting part of this now is Dallas has a max spot open. So they could potentially get a big three, a European big three going on, which would be kind of cool to see. Um, so next up, the most improved player conversation went down. Uh, pretty much hands down, Pascal Siakam. I think the recency bias really solidified this one for us in terms of obviously winning the championship and being a pretty big part of that campaign. Uh, Darren Fox had a pretty good showing too, so... D'Angelo. Yeah, D'Angelo is a good argument, even though he's the older guy out of the three. Yeah, I mean, I think Siakam basically won this award a long, long, long time ago, even even with the whole championship run. Um, obviously, these awards are done after the regular season, but before the playoffs in terms of voting. So it's not like they could have foreseen Siakam being the second best player on a championship team, but uh, he was went from a bench player last year to basically the second guy on this Toronto team. Um, definitely in terms of points, I think he put up somewhere around 19, 20 points a game, which is a huge jump from where he was last year. I think it was like six. So kind of the easiest probably pick out of all of these. And I feel like uh, the Luka pick's a little changed. easier, but... I don't know. Yeah, at least you could make the argument for a Trey Young if you're, I mean, that's what like two people did, right? I mean, otherwise Luca would have been unanimous, but I think Siakam was within his respective category, the easier, uh, the easier one to go with. Uh, what's next? Six man? Six man of the year. I think everyone saw this one coming. Uh, Lou Williams won it yet again for the third time in his career, joining Jamal Crawford for those ranks. Uh, his competition was Demo, and his teammate Montrez Harrell. Uh, pretty solid, even though you felt like the team was kind of engineered to do this. So it kind of feels like a little bit of a cop-out. But at the same time, I mean, he set every record for a bench player known to man. So. Yeah, a lot of it was helped by, as you said, them flipping it and basically making their reserve unit their best unit. With yeah. Harrell and the Williams and stuff, but I mean, who's closing out Congrats games? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, honestly, if they, if the Clippers were going to upset Golden State, I mean, it had to be through Lou Williams. Yep. So then we get the most contentious one, which is Defensive Player of the Year. It was uh, Rudy Gobert and Giannis. I think were the two front runners. Mm -hmm. um, I personally had Giannis on that ranking. Uh, same yeah so a little bit of an upset on my part um 
Everyone, of course, in my neighborhood is very happy about this. Uh, Talking to somebody yesterday about it, actually. And they were saying, oh, yeah, Rudy's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, right? I was like, maybe? Like, I, I was I was feeling very not certain. I was like, he's definitely in the top three. But I, was, I felt like he wasn't going to win it because uh, it's kind of hard to win it as a center, I think. Especially when you've got a guy like Giannis around or like Kawhi where they can just get steals and blocks and guard every position extremely well. Whereas Gobert's, you know, if you get a switch, if you're like Steph and you get a switch with that, you still feel kind of good about it. Um, yeah, I'm just surprised they gave them back-to-back years. That also, I right? I thought that might kind of factor in. and then, But then again, I guess they just didn't want the Bucks taking half of the awards uh, i don't know it felt like well it felt like they just didn't want to give it to Giannis unless Giannis had like uh some crazy you two know blocks, two steals, yeah. of like blocks or even just like blocks in a game you know you like set like a new record or something like it did feel a bit of a zig instead of just zagging you know but yeah and then of course like you said Giannis. uh the MVP for the year, obviously the contentious point was James Harden, and kind of the oddball third wheel to this was Paul George. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good arguments for Harden and Giannis back and forth. We've kind of discussed this pretty much every other week in the regular season because it seemed to change based on who had the narrative, who had the 40-point the game, who had the triple-double. Um and it's kind of almost coincidental that all three of those players had a pretty lackluster playoff. I don't know. I think Giannis had pretty decent until Kawhi started guarding him. Yeah, I mean, Harden was kind of fizzled. Paul George obviously uh, fizzled. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, how. I mean, if Harden had won it, then Harden would have won MVP. Back to back, right? And Giannis's name, well, Giannis's name wouldn't have even been on this list of awards winners, right? And uh, you know, these six awards are basically a checkpoint on what was the past NBA season, you know, like, right? In terms of just kind of the. You never watched any of it, yeah. So it's like if Giannis's name wasn't anywhere on there, that'd be kind of crazy. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Because, like, just looking at this list, you're seeing, you know, the Clippers somehow got their act back together after losing everything. The Raptors, you know, even doing load management seemed to work out with Siakam as your substitute Kawhi. The Bucks magically pulled together the best record in the league. And turns out Luka was the best player in the draft in the past six years, so... I mean, that's a pretty good uh, Cliff Notes version of what happened in the NBA this year. Where do you you think Harding goes from here? Because now he's basically finished second, first, and second in the past three years. He could have legitimately had a chance at three straight MVPs. Yeah. Which is a very rare thing. I, I don't know if anybody besides Larry Bird has done that. Especially with the whole voter fatigue concept that seems to plague LeBron James every three years. Yeah, and I'm also wondering, I mean, 
it's kind of a good thing that they don't factor in the playoffs, right, into these awards for Harden. Yes. Could you imagine how, you know, like probably going into the end of the regular season before the playoffs, it was probably like 53-47 Giannis. But then probably post-playoffs, it's probably something like 70-30 Giannis. Yes. I think that that conversation gets really interesting with Coach of the Year. Because when you think about like all of the big coaching decisions in the playoffs when coaching and X's and O's and chess pieces really matter. You know, you think of some of the great highlights like the Clippers getting two games off a of full power Golden State, 31-point comeback. You know, you think of Nick Nurse basically coming out of nowhere, winning the whole thing. I mean, he'd, only, he'd have to be in that conversation. Doing a box and one on Steph Curry, everybody shitting on him the first time he did it, and then it actually worked. Uh, I mean, you can think about stuff like, uh, oh, geez. You could, maybe you could even throw Portland in there. Uh, two game sevens, you know. Portland's a bit of a stretch there, I would say, just because they... The, the whole conversation changes when you factor crap. in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, most definitely. I mean... You know, six man totally changes, right? I mean, Fred Van Vliet would have <laughs> dominated this award on recency bias. Yeah, and so I really miss the old days when they would hand them out, like on that first playoff game, or like that that first, or like well, they that... usually hand them out. Uh, MVP was always like around conference finals time, right? Um, that's true. This the timing of this awards thing does seem to be the one thing the NBA really hasn't figured out. Exactly. You know, they, they've kind of figured out how to stay relevant through the summer. They figured out, uh, I think, the All Star game a little bit better. Uh, they seem to have kind of figured out the scheduling in terms of getting rid of all the you know four and five nights, the extreme back to backs, um, stuff like that. But, yeah, it just feels really odd to have, like, the awards after kind of the draft and, you know. I mean, I know that's only been, like, you know, what, a week since the Raptors won the title? <laughs> you know, 10 days maybe since the Raptors won the title. Uh, but it does feel rather weird in that we've kind of gone into the future with some of the uh, trades and summer speculation in the draft. And then now we're kind of trying to, like, look back on the season as well at the same time. Yeah, very awkward timing. I mean, there's no reason why it couldn't be, you know. Uh, I, I like the idea of doing it before a playoff game because then you get this extra narrative on, like, head-to-head matchups. Like, magically, if... Uh, I mean, if Harden had not won MVP, does he play a little bit harder in that second round knowing that he's not MVP? I think so, right? <laughs> um, I mean, the other thing is, at least with this award show, in theory, all these uh, nominees can be in one place at the same time, which they obviously can't do if they do it during the playoffs because everybody's spread out all over the place. Yeah, especially with the teams that didn't make the playoffs that are on this list. Um, I think another interesting part of this, too, uh, is... You know, because it's a big dinner setting. You know, they have all these cameras in front of all these people and their families. Kind of like draft night, you know. They got cameras kind of 
waving through the sea of dinner tables. And uh, surprisingly, no shots of the banana boat. Wonder what LeBron James could be doing in the meantime. Any ideas? Uh, probably, probably working on his Instagram, man. I'd say he's working on Segway Time, the on set for Space Jam 2. What do you think about that? None of the cast of Space Jam 2 was uh, at this event. Uh, I don't know if I care. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but I mean, it doesn't like the fact that there's a Space Jam 2 movie doesn't really factor into the NBA awards, right? I mean, this is more about the on court, not the off court. Very true. Uh, speaking of a nice, uh, nice segue here into the wonderful world of off-season NBA. Wait, no, I have a couple things that we have to get to. In Dang it, I had a good time. segue. All right. <laughs> I don't, I don't give a shit. We can do it next week. Uh, Big Three is back. It's kicking. It's alive. What do you make of Big Three coming back? We have some good uh, personalities coming in. Greg Oden. Yeah, I heard Josh Boy, Smith got into a fight thing. already. Yeah, this like this shit is getting really, really legitimized. Um, they're a little bit more backed by TV money and the NBA a little bit more, so they're much more like uh, kind of under the NBA branding umbrella. Um, there's some cool teams. Um, Aliens is like a new one. Enemies. Uh, Powers coming back. Powers looking for the repeat. Um, I think they even have some games. So I know that there's a game next weekend in Charlotte, um, but I think I'm working that day. Um, I think Salt Lake City might be something. So you should definitely go see. Yeah. A few there, and there's also some summer league games coming up too. I'm going to try and go see. And uh, NBA streams, RAP. Yeah, this is the ultimate out. sadness tweet. I mean... You talk about Durant tearing his Achilles, but NBA streams dying is even worse. Dude, that got yeah, me through so many nights. Oh, <laughs> uh, what am I gonna do now? Am I gonna see this like wow. Sacramento Atlanta game at ten thirty? I know. I'm actually like genuinely pissed. <laughs> uh, well, speaking right, of, but for uh, good news. I got good news though. Okay. TJ Warren has escaped Phoenix. Yay. He's no longer on the Suns. No longer in the most mediocre organization in the league. Uh, I don't know. The Knicks. Until the Knicks actually pull this thing off, I think it still has to be the Knicks. Okay, okay. The only reason I, I cannot say the Knicks is because while there was their, that clip of the kid crying at the 2014 draft where they got <laughs> Porzingis, actually a good player, but they fucked up not being able to keep him. Like they actually outdrafted people that year. Yeah, but you gotta. But if you think about it like this, the Knicks have been so bad at being bad that they haven't gotten a number one pick. Phoenix got a number one pick last year, so at least they're a, they're a good at being bad. But the Knicks actually tanked this year and still didn't get a top two pick. If they swing and miss on the free agency, I mean, Jesus Christ for shipping out Porzingis for this. So I would still say the Knicks hold the uh, the trophy for being the most atrocious franchise. 
TJ Warren to Indiana. What does this mean? This a oh, means Indiana is going all in championship, dude. This is Boston is falling apart. Philly might not be able to do it. Toronto might not keep Kawhi, and Indiana's on the inside track. Dude, I, I told you last week. You know, everyone's sleeping on Indiana, man. They're they're they were like one step away from being real championship contenders in my book. I don't think they're one step away anymore. I think TJ Warren's got this. And, they, and there you go. That's why I said it last week, and I'm not saying it this week. They're they're my number one favorite of the Eastern Conference to make the NBA Finals. Can you imagine if TJ Warren's able to play defense? This team might legitimately be pretty solid. All right, what does TJ Warren have to average for this team to be like in the conversation? 20 points 18 to 22 points like 18 5 and 5 uh i don't know if he's getting 5 5 i think 3 3 7 7 8 rebounds and like 3 assists is probably more realistic but i do think it has to be more about the scoring um and then on the defensive side just not getting beat just being so, okay just yeah. kind of being long because he plays at the small forward position which that needs to be a position that you can play against guards and slightly taller guys without getting pounded. There needs to be somewhere it, like playoffs Rodney Hood level good. Uh, I would say it's more like a good Jalen Brown. That, that's probably the more favorable comp. Okay. Like a three, not like a three and D, but like a, a scorer on one side and can defend on the other. You know, just be athletic all around. I'm, I'm, I'm be down. a fan favorite. I, I can see this. I can see this going places. The big one in your neighborhood, Mike Conley. That was the segue I was going for. Uh, he won a teammate of the year, by the way. Not that anyone cares about their <laughs> off-court awards. Uh, Mike Conley, so Utah is now like it's like Lakers Dark and Horse? Utah are like are like the championship contenders in the West. I mean, you do have two-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Mike Conley Sleeper, played with another defensive right player of the year. Yeah. Um, you finally got a scoring at the point guard position for the first time since Darren Williams. Yeah. Jeez, that was forever ago. Uh, so what did we lose for this? So uh, Utah gave away Kyle Korver, so that's just buyout or trade bait. Uh, Jay Crowder, another buyout or trade bait. Uh, Grayson Allen, basically the fill-in for perpetually injured Dante Exum. And the pick for this year and the pick for next year. Yeah, I mean, if you're losing Grayson Allen, it's actually a really nice win. <laughs> Getting that guy off, I mean, imagine it. You're getting rid of probably the most hated college player of the last 25 years, and you're bringing in teammate of the year, Mike Conley. So team chemistry is just peaking right now on this team. It's also great because uh, you have another black player on your team for how racist Utah is and has Kyle Korver exposed previously. Uh, so it's really nice that we're getting more diversity on our Utah sports teams. They actually have a complimentary backcourt now with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. Because Mike Conley can play the traditional kind of point of setup guard, provide some shooting, pick and roll with Gobert, good on defense. Yeah. 
I think it's also so, uh, a, I think maybe the better side of this is actually I mean Rubio kind of learned how to shoot last year a little bit but just a much more consistent three-point shooter that can play with two bigs because like obviously keeping favors um so that's kind of important it's almost like he got kind of moved to the next grit and grind team i mean the next the only other one would be detroit right that plays two yeah, bigs constantly especially grit and grind but you know they never had that that shooting guard on the memphis teams i right. mean it was right, tony, tony allen, allen and courtney lee right <laughs> Yeah, so now you finally basically have Gobert, your defensive stalwart. You guys, guys like Joe Ingles, Favors, um, and now you throw in Donovan Mitchell as kind of your your plus up from uh, Tony Allen. Pretty solid team. Western Conference Finals contender? Question mark. Yeah, I think everyone's got this team pegged really high right now, and I'm a little. I didn't think Mike Conley was that crazy good of an addition. Like. I like him. I got a jersey of him. You know, I'm not a bandwagoner, so I can wear my OG Memphis Mike Conley jersey around town now and not feel bad about it. Um, but I, f- like, it might, it might just be because of how forgotten about Memphis has been the past 18 months. But is Mike Conley really this good to push them into, like, championship contention ranks? Yeah. The problem is he's just he's been in the West his entire career, so he's never been on an All Star team, um, and he's never really been on the All NBA team, and that's kind of the problem, right? Is that he's just he's at the position in the West that is the most loaded, and when you got guys like Steph and Kobe and Harden and Westbrook and all the you know like for the past ten years. Uh, that position has just basically been filled. Manu, Tony, I mean, you just go on down the list and it's like, fuck, how is he ever actually going to be able to get on that team? And now I think he's got a good chance. I do think he's, well, he's not that old. He's only, I mean, 31? he's over 30, but yeah, he's over 30. But I mean, I'd rather have Mike Conley than maybe a Chris Paul right now in terms of just age. Hmm. That's a decent point. And I think Conley has this, you know, his personality, I think, fits better with Utah. I mean, obviously, he just won teammate of the year. So, I mean, you know, he doesn't have that ego, which is quite nice on a team like Utah, where it's like none of these guys should have egos because they play for Utah. It's a very team-centric team as opposed to star-focused like Houston or... Well, it's another small market, right? He goes from Memphis, which is probably one of the smallest NBA markets to Utah, which is obviously always struggled to get free agents. So they kind of had to make this trade. So let's, let me, let me ask you this. You had to bet which person scores more points on Utah next year, Donovan or Mike? I don't think it's a question. I mean, it's meant to be Donovan. It's not that Mike Conley is meant to be, the guy. He's not meant to be the guy. He's meant to be the complimentary guy. He's over 30. He's mostly just meant to act as a setup guard. Whereas Rubio, yeah, he can pass, but he can't be that second threat. Because the problem is if Donovan Mitchell is the only guy that can score on that team, which we saw in the playoffs, they're not getting very far. 
You just load up on him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what's he going to do? Take 30 shots every fucking game? I mean, that's ridiculous. Whereas Mike Conley at least gives him some three-point shooting and some mid-range shooting and create his own shot. And that's the biggest thing. So what do you think the stat line here is? You think Mike Conley is like an 18 and 10 guy? Yeah, I think he's going to be very Kyle Lowry-esque from this past season where his probably shooting, like numbers-wise, his box score numbers probably dip a little bit. But overall, I think that's a better thing. And then I think his minutes need to come like down you know if he's playing like 31 to 33 minutes a game i think he'll be pretty fresh for the playoffs which is really where they would want him so yeah i'm thinking like 18 and 8 would be pretty solid and then you think dono is like 24 and 4 or something like that yeah i mean donovan mitchell's really got to be your number one guy i mean he's significantly younger He's probably got a higher, you know, talent uh, than Mike Conley at this stage. But, th- I mean, it just wasn't going to happen, right, with Rubio. I mean, sure, that guy finally was, like, an average shooter. But, I mean, that's not good enough to beat some of these Western Conference teams. Whereas, I think Mike Conley's, he's got, you know, maybe not quite as good passing. But he definitely brings in the shooting. And I think he's a better defender. Yeah. Rubio's, like, a fucking turnstile on defense. Yeah, and I think... What you said about him kind of not overloading Mike Conley on minutes. You know, uh, Dante Exum should be coming back next year. Everybody's very high on him around here, which is kind of weird to me because I've always thought of him as kind of being uh, Tony Allen of point guards. Yeah, uh, I think for Mike Conley, the blueprint has to be Manu in those last few Spurs runs or Kyle Lowry from this past year where you know, you're probably not the first or second best player on this team, but you're definitely integral to winning uh, any type of significant uh, playoff series. Speaking of playoff series, Portland Trailblazers making a, I think, an upgrade move here, swapping Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore to the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, it's a very weird move. It's just a player swap. Yeah, like there's no no picks considerations. Yeah, for picks or even money, <laughs> they both have one year left on the contract, so it's not even like you're getting a cheaper option. You're actually basically paying the same amount. Um, so I guess who won the trade, Atlanta or Portland? I think Portland won the trade. I think they're going to run it back next year. Now that Golden State's gone, they're going to have uh, one legged Nurkic. I think Bazemore is an offensive upgrade from Evan Turner. You play him at the same position. Uh, more of a th- more of a three-point shooter. So that helps them out in terms of the kind of second unit floor spacing. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that's a good move for Portland. I think it's... For Atlanta, I think it's an okay move too. Because Bazemore is kind of getting up there in years. I think he's like 32 now been around longer than you think he has been and i mean atlanta's got all these shooters now right so evan turner being able to play make a little bit more being like super budget ben simmons uh might make sense to me uh so i'm looking at their ages right now baseball is actually 29 going on 30 and uh evan turner is 30 going on 31 
Okay, so I had them backwards, but... So they actually got slightly younger, which I think actually makes me like this a little bit more for Portland. Like you said, I, I think this is either trade bait down the line in terms of the kind of February trade deadline or something to give them something in a playoff series because Evan Turner was downright awful throughout pretty much every round Portland played. I think too. Uh, well, we're missing the one obvious fact, and that is no more Vince Carter, Kent Bazemore podcasts. But the second part is is well, I don't know. Maybe Vince Carter goes to Portland. <laughs> let's say um, someone snags away Seth Curry in uh, free, in, a, in a free agency. You know, having Kent Bazemore there to fill that offensive role feels a lot better than Evan Turner, right? So it's it's good insurance for any free agents you might lose. Yeah, Portland might also be sniffing around for that Jay Crowder buyout. Yeah, at some point in the season, that seems like a very Portland move. Um, I guess I think that's it in terms of actual transactions that have happened, and I think everything else I have on this list is mostly uh, just kind of rumor speculation. Oh wait, never mind. MKG took up the player option for Charlotte. Wow. So. Uh, <laughs> I think Charlotte's fucked. Um, because now they got to keep MKG. So how does that factor into the uh, Kemba and the $220 million question? I'm going to repeat what I heard Kemba say last time, and that is he will take a monetary discount to continue playing in Charlotte, <laughs> which makes absolutely no sense to anybody that cares about Kemba's legacy. Are we sure Kemba's a smart dude? He's an all-star. I mean, did he did he graduate from college? Oh god. I like I don't want to think about Charlotte. I just don't even know. Like somebody just please make a decision and just end my suffering. Oh my god. I feel bad I mean, for him. I I don't You know, the big thing is I don't really know where he can go, where he would go to a better team. You know, for for at least somewhat of a max contract. I mean, apart from the Clippers, I don't see it. And this is the problem, I think, is I think we all screwed ourselves by not only making him an all-star, but saying he's worth a max. He's a worthy all-star. Yeah, but monetary-wise, like contract-wise. Yeah, but then you got to think about the fact that Charlotte has had him on a discount for the past four years. So he's actually underpaid in Charlotte for the past four years, so now he's about to be overpaid. Which, I mean, it's a bad market to be overpaid. Now, but yeah, I mean, let me pull up his contract situation. All right, so he was being paid twelve million a year. Come on, for the past three years. Now he can get paid thirty million a year for five years, right? Yeah, Charlotte has paid this man. Forty-eight million dollars of last four years. That's a fucking discount, dude. Twelve That's a million steal. a year. For for that kind of a player, I mean, All NBA, All Star, clearly one of the best guards in the league. I mean, they've been fucking ripping him off. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of hoping he fucking for figures his out sake, to get twenty yeah. million dollars. But you know, I want him to go to a winner. You know, I want him to. 
I want to see him actually have a postseason. Indiana. Indiana. I'm not, I'm not against it. I just don't know how the money works out. Uh, I mean, it probably doesn't. They probably have to ship out quite a few players, but I think that would be... I mean, I was looking forward to Mike Conley being on Indiana, and if there's a way that Mike Conley could have been on Indiana with like a $30 million contract, then I'm pretty sure they'd be able to work out Kemba, because Kemba's max contract would be somewhere around that ballpark as well. So there's moves for Indiana. Um, but come on. I mean, when it, when TJ Warren's making the same amount of money as Kemba, you know something's not right. Yeah. It's just a shame because this is like such a awkward time to be deserving of like almost a max but not quite a max because there's other max players right now that people want to grab that are like literally head and shoulders taller than Kemba. Yeah. But how many players who are going to be free agents are actually better than Kemba? There's Kyrie, there's Katie, there's Kawhi. That's clay. Clay. That's like your, that's like your tier one. Yeah. After that, I mean, Kemba's a tier two. Correct. All the other guys, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and all those guys are going to get the max. I agree that those guys are tier two, but having those guys as your max player and not having, you know, like, like this is the constant New York problem now that Kevin Durant shot himself in the leg is, is maxing Jimmy Butler and Kemba even worth your money? You know, like, this is my problem with this is he like has to go to like LeBron Lakers or Indiana or a team that's already on the up and up. I mean, sure, but you have about, like, 23 teams that are going to have cap space. <laughs> it's not like they're all just going to be like, hey, we'll just roll over the money. Somebody's going to fucking... Someone will buy it. Yeah. You know, shell out money. And if you're going to shell out fucking money on guys like Andrew Wiggins, you might as well fucking give it to Kemba. God. You're going to waste Dude, a draft pick give... on Anthony Bennett. You might as well draft me. <laughs> I mean, just think about this. At the end of next year... The Sixers are going to offer a max contract extension to Ben Simmons. They're going to just have to give him that. Yep. So Ben Simmons is making about seven, eight million a year right now, and then all of a sudden he's going to blow up to like thirty. God, that team's fucked. Oh my god. Speaking of uh, that team. What about the? Uh... What about the surprising Al Horford sweepstakes that has now become a thing? I like the sweepstakes. This might be my favorite sweepstakes. Because <laughs> it's like an impact player that can kind of contribute on any team, it feels like. Are we sure? Are we sure Al Horford isn't washed? Oh, he's washed. But he's like, you still feel him, though. I mean, Boston series last year took him beat out of the game. Defensively, I mean, that's, okay, that's a pretty big deal. Like, that's part of the reason they won that series. Yeah, but that only matters if he stays in the East. And a lot of the suitors are Dallas, both LA teams. So, I've been doing some two K trades with all of the draft picks and current trades and trades happened. Uh, a couple teams I liked Al Horford on that actually worked out. 
Uh, he is getting up there in years, which is important to consider. This is probably his last big contract. Uh, kind of liked him on the Pelicans. Uh, I don't think he fits. So, so he just doesn't. He just he's too slow. The trick there being, he's the veteran presence. He plays that stretch five role. Shoots threes better than all of the players they just got. He's too slow, and that Pelicans team is not close to winning a championship. I think he wants to go to a contender. He does. He does want to go to a contender. So that's why that trade doesn't work. Uh, another interesting one, I think. Also, and... he's not a good fit on the basketball court. So, so uh... the Pelicans will be like the best if they're up and down. If they're like just flying across the court like a college team. Al the... Horford is not doing that in 2019. The fifth K to this trade is, uh, you know, Kevin Love and Al Horford are kind of in the similar spot of. Wants to play for a winner, big contract, older dude, stretch four slash five. Um, think a team that could use Utah. that is Utah or Utah Portland. Yeah, Utah, Portland, jump out. I think the Clippers make sense, dude. I think pairing one of them, uh, you know, Michael Jordan loves his white centers that shoot threes, so. Three-team deal, Kevin Love to Charlotte. Let's make it happen. What about an Al Horford, Anthony Davis front court? I'm not against that. I think that would be pretty solid. Or Al Horford, Porzingis front court. See, I like that one too. Or Al Horford and Kyrie Irving on Brooklyn. And imagine if they add in a guy like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward. In exchange for maybe like four years worth of Brooklyn Nets picks? I swear to God, if Al Horford ends up going to Brooklyn with Kyrie, this is going to be the funniest shit. That's a Brian Windhorst thing he talked about the other day. He's like, yeah, Kyrie wants to grab uh, Al Horford to come with him to Brooklyn. I'm like, there's no fucking way that's happening, dude. Kyrie wants nothing to deal with that entire Celtics team. I don't know. I, I there's some weird shit because it seems like Kyrie's trying really hard to get KD to come with him to Brooklyn, and it's like a very weird like Mexican standoff type situation because you have KD who seems like he wants to go to the Knicks, Kyrie's trying to pull him to the Nets, and it seems like the Brooklyn front office is very weary if it's just Kyrie and not Kyrie and KD, or Kyrie and Jimmy, or like Kyrie plus somebody. It almost seems like the Nets only want Kyrie if they can get another guy. And Kyrie really wants Katie. And Katie is like, Katie might end up in Boston for all how, how this shit might go down. Which is, there's some crazy shit happening. Um, what about the turmoil in Houston between uh, Harden and CP3? Yeah. This is weird. It's like unsubstantiated rumors that lasted one day. Instagram proved it wrong right away, but people still ran with the story. Makes a lot of sense, though, for how they kind of collapsed in the Golden State series this year. Um, oh, I think it makes sense from way before when CB3 gets injured, Harden goes on that run, and then 
CP3 comes back and it's like they're still just playing Harden Ball. And it's like, you know, what's what's kind of the point of having CP3? I don't want to say this is a big told you so moment, but when they made the CP3 trade, when we covered it, uh, we were like, yeah, CP3 is getting a lot older and you're going to pay him like $45 million on year 35 or something? Like... Yeah, yeah. I was I was actually of a favor when they made the CP3 trade to actually go one step further and just get like a third, just go all out and get like an Eric Bledsoe, I think, at the time, or Kyrie Irving was wanting a trade. I was like, yo, what if they just have like a complete, you know, guard, guard-heavy team where it's like Harden, CP3, Eric Gordon, Kyrie. I was like, if you're just going to play this like whole, th- we have three guards, just say fuck it and go after four and then just... See if you can like steal a title in like two three years and then peace out. But apparently they're trying to get Jimmy Butler, which seems really weird. Yeah, because he's not a three point shooter. Not a three point shooter. Another chemistry problem guy. Uh, Needs the ball. Ball dominant. I guess the upside is he's taller, younger. Better contract, defense. Well, he might not. I mean, maybe. Uh, yeah, but he's got about the same number of miles as a CP3, which is a problem. I think. I think the big problem here is: is how do you get this trade to even work? I mean, it'd have to be CP3 ships out, and maybe they. You'd have to sign and trade Jimmy Butler. I mean, in terms of the money, it would it would relatively work out because they could shed somebody else and put him in the contract. But the weird thing is, apparent. I mean, I don't know if this rumor was true or whatever, but the Knicks apparently did not want CP3. Apparently, Houston put out a trade for CP3 to the Knicks, and the Knicks basically refused it, which makes it seem very suspicious that they're actually going to get somebody. Like, it seems like, why would you turn down that if unless you actually really, 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 really knew you were going to get somebody in a week? I.e. KD. Maybe even Clay. That's a good point. That's a, that's a very, very solid, solid point. It's like, if you knew you were going to get Kyrie, why would you accept a Kemba deal and promise, you know? Yeah, it's like, why would you not take, or even like, kind of listen to some of the CP3 trade talk? Why would you be so flatly against it unless they really knew some shit? Um, Damian Lillard's name is getting thrown around, which is weird to support the Nazi just to make this trade. And I mean, it's kind of weird that people are trying to pull Damian Lillard away. That's yeah, not happening. The Lakers and Golden State. That team has to really shit the bed for Damian to leave, I think. Um, Bradley Beal's name has been very quiet so far. I think that's been very weird. A little surprising, I'd agree, for uh, Sportsman of the Year, Bradley Beal. Um, This is a guy we talked about even last year, and basically as soon as that John Wall injury happened this year of probably going to L.A., would fit good in Houston, um, even potentially like Philly. Um, bad news is he's got a really big fucking contract, but I think he'd fit 
pretty decently on LA if they can't get, you know, if, if he, he's not like a tier one free agent right now. Well, he's not even a free agent. He's a trade, but, uh, yeah, he's that tier two range. He's in the Kemba Jimmy range of free agents. Uh, the door is open for Dario Saric to be somewhere besides Minnesota next year. Um, I think this is where the Lakers, you know, cue Lakers music. I don't know what that music is, but sure. What do you think of Dario being a Laker? If that were to happen? I, I like it, dude. I think he fits really I good in... I think it's the most bang for the buck that you're going to get on that team. Can you get Robert Covington too? You might. They have to go together, right? That's how this works. The best trade duo in the NBA. Oh, but they're going to. I don't think Minnesota's going to give up Robert Covington. They, they need him too much. So I've also heard attached to this uh, that Carl uh, Anthony Towns is trying to recruit longtime friend D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota, if Kyrie oh, no. kicks him out of Derek the nets. Rose. Which means Derrick oh, no, Rose can also go to the Lakers. Oh, good God, no. They need shooting. I'm I'm going to ride that one until it doesn't happen. Is Derrick Rose to the Lakers? That's my thing. Good God. If anything, Derrick Rose should just go to the Knicks or something. You already oh, went wait. there. Oh, wait. <laughs> with Carmelo. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. The big three. Uh, so with Mike Conley moving on to Utah... And if Udonis Haslam retires, then Russell Westbrook will become the only the the, the he will be the uh, active active player who's played the most on one team. So he'll have spent obviously his entire time being with Oklahoma City, and right now Udonis Haslam has been on Miami for like sixteen years, and uh, obviously Mike Conley just ended. Uh, his 12th year and Westbrook is about to move into his 12th year but if Udonis retires then Westbrook becomes our dude as being like the loyalty guy in the league whoa whoa that's <laughs> I weird I think it's just funny <laughs> holy crap could you imagine because like Westbrook is like by far the most polarizing player right in terms of the fan base in terms of NBA fans, could you imagine now that there might be this whole like extra twist where it's like guys like him just because he stayed on this team even more? Wow, <laughs> dude, I didn't even think about it. This is blowing my mind. I'm trying to go through all these players now in my brain. I'm like, there's got to be someone else. There's got to be someone else. <laughs> but there, I can't. I can't think of any. My closest was like Andrew Bogut, maybe, but he left and went to New Zealand, so I guess that takes him out of the conversation. Well, that in like two years ago, he was on the Cavs. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Um. Yeah. Wow. The twenty 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 guy for Nipsey Hussle gonna be the new loyalty face of the NBA. All right. Draft time. Yeah, yeah, let's let's go over this. So the, obviously um like you mentioned earlier this Atlanta deal kind of the back half of the Luca Trey Young deal. Picking players to slot in with 
Herder and Young and um, Collins. Collins. Yeah. Kind of have like a college all-stars team right now. Yeah, I mean, they they obviously did a, uh, some swaps here with uh, New Orleans on the uh, Lakers pick, on the Lakers number four pick, and took DeAndre Hunter uh, at four, and then they took Cam Reddish at ten? I thought it was like eight. Eleven? Yeah, so basically, I mean, they basically took DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish relatively early in the draft. Um, pretty good one-two punch. In terms of just draft picks, like that's a that's pretty solid drafting. And then obviously you tie that into Trey Young last year, and uh, you factor in kind of the rest of their team, and probably the one of the better GMs in terms of just drafting over the last two three years now. Yeah, I think Herder is a little bit of a surprise for most people. It's kind of like this young Clay Thompson that people are talking about now, which is a little aggressive for me. But people are so. Well, I mean, their it. GM came from Golden State, right? So his his whole mentality. I mean, he's been very uh, up forth with how he said that he wants to build the Golden State of the East. I think another big GM move is uh, this Anthony Davis trade, of course. Getting wait, we're we not gonna talk about Zion. At all? Like, come on, Zion was number one pick. I was getting to that. I'm talking about how the how the Pelicans got everybody. They literally got everybody and the kitchen sink for the next four years, including the number one pick. Like, it's kind of wild when you think about it. Like, well, they didn't get the number one pick. I mean, they they lucked into the number one pick. That wasn't part of the Anthony Davis thing. It's not a part of it, but it makes it feel even better. Right, I mean, okay. I mean, I'm sure the number one pick would always make you feel good, <laughs> regardless of. I mean, just just the without lot. the future picks, like just just if you're talking about physical players, like in in your uniforms, like you got rid of one number one pick, you got back a one, a two, another two, and like a, I don't remember where Josh Hart was drafted, but he was a first rounder. Wait, who was the number one? Zion? Yeah, but you didn't get him. That's what I'm saying. They I mean, it's not a him. part of the deal, but you... It, like, it all happened, like, in the same fucking 48 hours, so I kind of lump it all together in my brain. But <laughs> okay, well. if you're thinking about it in terms of just, like, I lost one player, I got three first-round picks back, as well as... Like... Are you trying to like do some revisionist history and say that like the Pelicans won this trade? Uh, I think this is like okay. So in this magical world where like the Lakers are like fuck up royally in free agency somehow, they end up with like Max and Kemba and nobody else. And let's say like Anthony Davis gets fucking injured in the middle of the season. They end up being like a six seed with Kemba and LeBron James and a whole bunch of nobodies. Like, this trade definitely feels really good for the Pelicans then. You just based that whole thing on if Anthony Davis gets injured. That's not like out of the realm of possibility. It's not like the most durable guy in the world. They literally took Lonzo and Brandon Ingram. 
One dude's got a butt claw, and the other guy has had knee problems already in, like, two years. I think the Pelicans... Wait, dude, what are you talking about? So, I, I, have, a, I have a question I'll get to later. I'll, I'll let you talk about the Pelicans for a minute. No, no, I really want you to try to make this case that somehow... Okay, so, we, we aren't really going to get to the Knicks at all, so I guess I'll just ask this question now. So, the Hawks, the Knicks, and the Pelicans, right now... Not knowing anything about Katie or who the Lakers might draft or any of this other bullshit that could go that could happen in the next three or four weeks. Which one has the most promising future? Oh, but this is like a very misleading question because even if the Anthony Davis trade doesn't happen, or even if Anthony Davis is not on the team, I still would say the Pelicans because they have Zion and Drew Holiday. But I, I mean. They they already win it by having Zion. Like, irregardless of... Like, if the Knicks had won and had Zion, I would say the Knicks. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, or if Atlanta had won, I would have said... And they took Zion, I would say Atlanta. I mean, my whole uh, reasoning is basically based on where did Zion go, and Zion went to the Pelicans, so therefore I like the Pelicans the most. And then they just happen to have Drew Holiday. But even if they didn't have Lonzo, who I really like Lonzo, but even if they didn't have Lonzo, I'd still say the Pelicans. So it's a very interesting question, in my opinion, because... But, like, that had nothing to do with Anthony Davis. Like, a, a week ago, like, we would be... Or, let's say, a month ago, before KD gets injured, out of those three teams, we'd be like, oh, the Knicks, obviously. It's like, oh, they're going to get KD, and they're going to get Kyrie, and everything's going to be great next year. That no, totally I still derailed. Would have said, still would have said, no, I'd rather have Zion. Before, before they did the draft odds, like like... Like, 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 hear me out for a second. So, so then, let's say a month from now, like that question could be totally different, or like one month in the NBA season, that answer could totally be different. I don't know. I really like, I like the Pelicans. I think they have a pretty promising future. I think they got a pretty good haul for the Davis trade. I think Drew Holiday's. Awesome. I love I love Drew Holiday. Yeah, they got a they got a good haul from the and they, all right, I'll put it this way. If the Pelicans didn't have Zion, and let's say they had the seventh pick in the draft, would you still like the Pelicans this much? So let's say they, they still have everybody that they got out of Anthony Davis, but they don't have Zion. Let's say they took that Japanese dude. I still think they got a pretty good haul for Anthony Davis. Yeah, but would you like this team is what I'm asking. If this team doesn't have Zion and instead it has... Uh, I don't know, let me see who... Hachimura we, instead? No, nah, let me Google who... Cam like Reddish? The draft. All right, the seventh pick in the draft Kobe is White. Kobe White. So if Kobe White is on this team instead of Zion, are you still in, in on this Pelicans team over all the other teams that you just mentioned? Atlanta and New York? I'm not sure. Exactly. The whole so like this whole AD part is kind of irrelevant. It's wherever Zion was. If Zion ended up on Cleveland, I'd have been like, "Fuck!" I really would have like preferred Cleveland as fuck as that. No, fuck I mean, Cleveland. If, I get it, but I'm just saying like the whole Anthony Davis trade. I don't think has any bearing on whether or not I like the Pelicans. The so, reason I like the Pelicans is because of Zion. 
I'm kind of sneaky on the Hawks right now. I think they. I actually a... don't really like a lot of these players that they got back from AD. I, I like I'm the Hawks on... baseline right now. I mean, yeah, but what is their baseline? They sucked last year, and they've sucked five out of the seven years that they've had Anthony Davis. I mean, and then before they had they had CP3, and they sucked all but like two years of CP3. I think the reason why I like the Hawks out of those three better is while we don't know... Okay, we're pretty much certain Zion's going to be pretty freaking good in the league. But I feel like the Hawks gave themselves the most die rolls of having like a, a really solid team that is all in the same age bracket. Kind of like that Golden State level of building a team through the draft and kind of trying to keep them together. And I, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of, uh, like Lonzo, we kind of know what he's he brings to the table. I mean, Brandon Ingram could very well have another blood caught and just die on the court. You know, Jackson Hayes, Alexander Walker, it's like, I'm not excited about them. I didn't know who these guys were until they were drafted. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. I mean, the LA, the future LA picks are really nice because they're probably going to suck once LeBron leaves in two years. So that's good. Solomon Hill dropping, that's good. I, I don't know. I just feel more optimistic about Atlanta. Like, this is the most hope I've felt in that franchise in a long time. What are you talking about? You're like a Tavo Cephalo. You were telling me like a couple pods ago that like you fucking love the 2015 Hawks. That was, like uh, that four, was years four years ago. ago. That's a long time, man. A lot happened in four years, man. What the fuck are you talking about, my dude? <laughs> all, right, all right, here's here's another good one. So uh, they already have another good one. What are you talking about, dude? Your this conversation, your point was totally trash. No, 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 no. I'm pivoting. I'm pivoting. So uh, hey, you better. Vegas has uh, released odds for the upcoming Rookie of the Year odds. And, of course, Zion is the heavy favorite. Uh, interesting enough, though, uh, RJ, Ja, and Darius Garland are the next top three. Uh, they were also the top four picks in the draft, right? Oh, no, wait, DeAndre Hunter. Garland was like five. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, I mean, is that really all that surprising? The top five picks end up being the odds favorites for Rookie of the Year? Well, if we go back to last year, Rookie of the Year debate, uh, Donovan Mitchell was not in the top five. Uh, you mean... Okay, but I mean... I'm sure ben the, Simmons yeah, was the barely odds, a rookie. But I'm, sure the betting, but I'm sure the betting... I mean, that's what you're describing as the betting, not necessarily who's going to pan out. I'm sure the betting was very reminiscent of how it is. Top five probably are the top five. So would you take Zion honestly. or the field? For rookie for of the rookie year. Rookie of the year? Yeah. All right, but I don't even know who the field is. I know there's Zion, and I know that there's R.J. Barrett, John Moran, Cam Reddish. Darius Garland. Darius Garland. White. All right. 
I'm probably taking fucking Zion. I mean, I just made this whole case about how it doesn't matter where Zion went. That was the team I was going to like the most, regardless of the AD trade. So I'm, I'm going to take the field. I'm going to take why. the field on this. I think you're. I think you're going to. I think it's going. Nope, it's not going to work out. Who is exciting you to the point? Like, think about what we saw from Luca. It's like we knew Luca was going to be good. We know Zion is not going to, like, Zion may not be, you know, like, top 15 player of all time at the end of the day, but it's like, we know he's going to be good next year. What is is R.J. Barrett going to bring to the table? He's going to bring someone that's like an 18 points, eight, eight rebounds, DeAndre Ayton kind of type of game. It's like, cool, got his points. But he's not going to have excitement. And that's the problem. Yeah. I, I st- I, I'm still going to bet on the field. I'll bet like 10 bucks on it. I feel like I'll make like 100 bucks if I win that bet. Which feels pretty good to me then. Just to fuck with money. Bro, you're making some weird, you're making some weird zags in this, in this segment right now. Dude, I got to do some zags, man. So more zags. I got one more zag for you. Um... Oh god, I wrote this note down. Where is it? Um How about Cleveland taking yeah. another point guard? <laughs> I fucking love how Colin Sexton. God. <laughs> I like how they did this twice in a decade. Do you remember when they took uh was it Dion and then the following year Kyrie? Or maybe it was the other way around Kyrie and then Dion? And it was like Wait, they're going to take two ball-dominant guards? <laughs> How is this going to work? They can't play together. <laughs> oh, wait, they're going to do it again. I can't believe it. God, Cleveland, terrible drafting this this decade. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, they drafted Andrew Wiggins and Anthony Bennett, right? Yeah, back-to-back. Like, I mean, if I mean, really, Kyrie was the saving grace of their of their draft picking this decade. If LeBron doesn't come Holy back, fuck. that team looks terrible. Yeah, but then they had a real but then they had a real chance at Zion. So they would have just kept tanking for a whole decade. Oh my god. Alright, so so um, another another question all right, here. So here's here's a more philosophical question now. Do you draft on best fit like Atlanta or do you draft on best available talent like Cleveland basically did with this double guard picking that they've done it gets hard that's a tough question so with a guy like cleveland and you take a point guard in the lottery and then you take another point guard in the lottery feels a little redundant uh notice most of these teams that take one position in the lottery the following year they take a different position player um so yeah i think you go best available talent because chances are wherever you end up in the lottery that best available talent will not be the position that you took the best available talent for last year okay so like in the case of cleveland then darius garland dropping down a five was probably the best available talent, right? 
I would not skip five that. was him, six was Culver, seven was White, eight was Jackson Hayes. Actually, it's I would actually take Culver in that case. Because if I'm Colin Sexton right now, I feel pretty fucking terrible, right? It's like, I'm about to get replaced by a guy younger than me. My team There's has no Kevin confidence Love, in me. Kevin Love, Colin Sexton trade, trade package. That is definitely inbound. That or with Garland. They could trade Garland, too. Personally, I thought they would take a shooting guard. Like, I thought they would take Culver or something because Jarrus Smith's basically out of the league. And they need someone to fill that spot. Kevin Love, Colin Sexton for Andrew Wiggins. Who says no? Cleveland? Uh, maybe? <laughs> All right, here's here's the interesting one to me going into those later picks is everyone's really hype on Kobe White for some reason. It's because he's the only real guard. Like, I know John Moran's a guard, but he's mostly just, like, an athletic dude who is too small to play other positions, right? I think it's just because we didn't see a lot of Garland in college. I think people are a little still not exactly sure what to expect. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I genuinely don't even know what Garland looks like. Um, I haven't seen a single clip of him playing. So, yeah. Whereas, by proximity of living in Raleigh, I've seen Kobe White play. <laughs> uh, big market, too, helps. But I'm like, uh, I think everyone's a little too hype on Kobe White right now. Like, I, He's good. Yeah, I mean, but... Chicago's actually a really interesting team now, right? Because they have Kobe White at point. They obviously have Chris Dunn at point, so there's your decision. Shooting guard, Zach Levine. Small forward, Otto Porter. Power forward, Markkanen. Center, Wendell Carter Jr. Now, that team versus the Pelicans, who are you taking? New Orleans or Chicago? I'm going to take Chicago. What? <laughs> you made this whole big-ass deal about what the Pelicans got from the Anthony Davis trade, and then you're going to fucking go with Chicago? Zach Levine is a max player. The other team is Zion. <laughs> this team versus Atlanta. Jesus Christ, dude. You're, you're fucking hard on for Atlanta 2015 and perennial Bulls teams. It's not too far. This is, the, this is the battle for the number one pick next year. We got Atlanta. We got the Pelicans. We got Chicago. You're literally missing the Knicks. When they inevitably don't get Kevin but who's Durant. on their team? I don't know their full five start starting roster for the Knicks. Exactly. For the, that's the point. <laughs> they might not be they're, battling they're, for the number one pick next year. They might actually be battling for the number one pick if they don't get any decent free agent. I mean, even if they get Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's not playing next year. Dude, he'll play on one leg. He's better than RJ Barrett. Put him out in a wheelchair. Just stroll him around on the court. Shots fired. Big shots. So, alright. So, which team won the draft? I don't really understand where you're, where you're, where you're going with this. <laughs> anyway, you I just asked think... me a question and asked me where I was going with this. 
I would think the Pelicans won the draft. They got Zion, and they didn't fuck it up and choose like a weird, oh, we're gonna trade the pick on like draft night type thing. I would say, I would say the Pelicans won the draft. I think that's. But yeah. you like Chicago better. I don't think they won the draft. But you'd rather have Chicago situation than the Pelicans. In a head-to-head matchup on a one-game night where I might be betting on one team versus the other, I'll bet on Chicago. Who is going to score your points besides Zach Levine? Zach Levine, dude. That's all you need. How much are you going to get out of Zach Levine? Probably like 35 or 40. <laughs> dude, this, is, this, this game will have like 150 points per team. Like... They're just going to be zipping up and down the court the whole time. Oh, wow. I think one more takeaway, because you always have to end on a Lakers talk. The increasing uh, narrative by the media right now has been the fill that extra cap space with three players rather than one max guy. We talked about this last time rather extensively. I wonder Wait, if your thoughts have changed. You, you think so? I would say that the uh, the stuff out there, like in terms of the ESPNs and the Ringers and the Woges and that uh, collection of sports journalism, have all preached the don't just throw in a third guy and instead spread out your money. Yeah, that's what that I'm saying. That has actually been the predominant theory. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't agree with that theory, but that has been the predominant theory. Yeah. So you're still you're still on the uh, sign one max guy, get a big three, and fill out the rest with D League players. They they don't have like enough money to really work out a team anyway. And also, I mean, do you expect the Lakers to think about who they signed last year? And now you want them to basically have money again this year and not make all those same stupid decisions for the meme team like to me it just makes easier sense to be like oh let's get one guy who we're definitely sure on rather than trying to get five guys and they don't know what they're doing i mean i get it but i mean this is exactly what we just saw with houston and houston like made it work yeah, and I would say Anthony Davis and LeBron James is a better combination than CP3 and Harden. So my thing is, I I don't know if I trust the Lakers to make five good decisions. I think one decision they could probably get away with. You'd rather roll the dice on one decision than three decisions. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think Polinka is that smart to be. I mean, clearly, right? I mean, he got confused by the cap uh, versus like when to actually make the trade official i think that's a totally um, fair way to look at it (laughs) i think it's interesting yeah i mean i just have higher hopes that they're gonna be better at landing one star than trying to land a bunch of guys unless lebron is really doing a lot of heavy negotiating yeah Uh, i think that's a smart dude i think that situation now is almost more interesting to me than the new york one because now with KD being out, Kyrie looking almost definitely at the Nets, I'm kind of just don't even want to think about the Knicks anymore. <laughs> Feels so sad. And uh, yet you still thought Phoenix was the worst franchise. 
Dude, I don't know what to think about Phoenix. They're they traded not, away their best hopeless. player. You can't argue with that one. They traded away their best player. As much as I don't like Devin Booker, I would still say Devin Booker is their best player. Yeah. Tough. I, I hate to I hate to be like a Phoenix fan. I feel like I feel like there's just it feels like there's no hope. Alright, I think you're being a little too much on this. Phoenix had some good runs in the mid aughts. That was a long time ago. Any hope now? A long time ago. Dude, 2010, they almost made the finals. Yeah, where have they been since? Bro, where, is the, where have the Kings been? I mean, the Kings finally had a decent season this past year, but come on. Like, the Suns were just there. Uh, less than a decade ago, they were on the precipice of the NBA Finals. I mean, I, I just, I don't really feel sorry for teams when they've been recently relevant. I feel, I feel worse for a fan who's like a fan of Charlotte or Sacramento or, you know, I would say, I would say Toronto until this year. It's like, fuck, like you guys just got fucked over every year. We should do a uh, ranking of worst fan bases, uh, you know, to be a part of right now or, or like, uh, like the fan base most depressing most fan bases, or, yeah, or the actual worst fan base because the worst fan base is Utah, right? Because they're racist. I don't know, dude. The Warriors are pretty bad, and so are Miami no, guys. Warriors, Miami guys are the worst. The Warriors, well, I mean, the Warriors are in Miami are just they're bandwagon fan bases, which is you're always going to have a bandwagon, right? Depending on who the team wins. Like, imagine if the Lakers win the title in 2020. I'll shoot myself. And uh, that fucking fan base, and then you couple that with Space Jam two. And it's like, oh man, is this is this the summer of LeBron where he wins the NBA Finals, NBA Finals MVP, Space Jam Two box office becomes the greatest sports movie of all time. I mean, you heard it here first, folks. Summer of 2020, LeBron James reignited Fast and Furious Two, Space Jam Two. Imagine if Zion is like a hidden character in a Space Jam Two. Oof. Easter eggs. I'd be down for it. And did you know that cloth bags only break even in environmental cost at 20,000 uses compared to plastic bags? That's the more you know segment for this episode of Hard in the Paint podcast. We do appreciate your questions, comments, and concerns. You can always find us in the comments section or in the emails below or direct messages, however you like to slide in there with your witty feedback uh please give us a like a comment a thumbs up a share however you like to do those dirty deeds and we'll be back next time for hopefully the start of the free agency dominoes because i am tired of hearing the same lakers talk from every major news outlet for the next month